We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello. Hi. Hey. What's up? Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast. You've heard this intro over and over again, but here we are back again for another episode. And we are always committed to bring you the best dating content where we go deep, 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 deep penetration dating. (laughs) Unless you're new. And then in that case, we welcome you. And I love that we're starting with deep penetration dating. So you know, it's gonna be a good episode. Yes, it is gonna be a good episode. That's for damn sure. (laughs) We're just so excited to bring you new seasons. And at the top of the season, we always have these themes. And we talk about like, you know, some of the patterns that we see. So it's when whenever we come back with a new episode, we get really excited. It's like we have this gift and we can deliver to you and as you unwrap with your ears, if that sounds really strange. Um, (laughs) Unwrap with your ears, love it. (laughs) You know what I mean. Um, I do want to, before we get to, you know, the intro of the episode, I do want to add an addendum to our conversation from last week where we made these gender generalizations and we, you know, caveated with that, that women plan more and men plan less and it's our two own weeks personal ago. take. Or two weeks ago. Or two weeks yes. ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> Seemed like last week. And it's been lingering in my mind. And I just want to redeem my my partner because I I realize, holy shit, we're about to go on this uh, four-year anniversary vacation for two weeks. And it's a surprise. And he planned the entire thing. And I'm very grateful for him putting in all the work. And I don't know why this completely escaped my mind when we're having this conversation. (laughs) Because the man literally gave me, you know, image board with all the clues. So I know what to pack for what kind of weather he booked all the hotels, all the flights, like, come on, okay, give this man a break. Not all men don't plan because obviously, my partner is doing all the planning for this trip. (laughs) 
I do love that you forgot this as in the middle of this because you knew you were going on this trip. Yes. But yes. It's one of those things we've talked about this before, and I don't want to undermine what he's doing at all because I think it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the grand gesture, like the little things do kind of add up over time too. like the grand gesture is incredible. But we do kind of like fixate on the day to day, which isn't right by any means. But it's kind of funny that you just like forgot this huge grand gesture and then focused on like the everyday weekend. <laughs> I think it's because my partner is so different than anyone I've ever dated. And I almost take it for granted how different he is. The man, when we moved into this apartment in LA, he had an Excel spreadsheet and a timeline of when we should get the furniture, <laughs> uh, when we should get the you know utilities up by. He Because he's like a project manager, really, in his day to day. And so he's always planning. So I have to really give credit where credit's due. I do have... <laughs> A wonderful partner who actually loves to plan, and it drives him crazy that I don't plan as much as he does. Oh, my God. Because, you know, it's making me complacent because he plans so well, and he plans all the time. I feel like that's a good segue, though, into this episode, because, you know, Mm. we talk about really just how all of our relationship history builds on each other and, you know, sets us up for that next partner. And sometimes we think of these past people as, you know, roadkill or the people Mm -hmm. that didn't make it along the way or a waste of time even. It sometimes, you know, brings up some of these stereotypes that we have. And that might not even be present day of what we're doing. But also in the fact that, you know, a lot of times we think that, especially when something ends, like we'll never find it again. But I know from past experience, usually every relationship I've had has gotten more and more serious. Mm -hmm. And I've become more and more myself. And I've become more and more, you know, the partner being the partner I want to be and then having the partnership that I want to have. And I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad some of those early relationships didn't work out. And that's not just because they were not the right person, but I wasn't the right person either. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to remember that, you know, some of our stereotypes or the things that we're scared about because we've been hurt before, like that doesn't mean that's going to be the future because we're constantly learning from all our relationship experience. We're kind of like babies exploring the world when we're dating people. And in in those early stages, you're just like, hmm, do I like this? Uh, do I not like this? And it's good to have those subjects, you know, for you to at least have an opinion about. And I'm glad that we're at a place now, at least in this place of Dateable Podcast, both Julie and I have a pretty strong stance on dating and what we like and what we don't like in a partnership. But I think that took years of our own past relationships and also just talking to other daters and learning from that. Yeah. In today's episode, we have a comedian, Des Bishop, who was a delight to talk to. And, you know, I didn't know how deep we were going to get. You know, with comedians, Mm -hmm. you think a lot of times it's going to be light and funny. And there were definitely those moments in it. But we got pretty deep. We got pretty deep into, you know, the relationship we've had with others and also the relationship we have with ourselves, which is clearly a recurring theme on this podcast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the reasons we found him too, I mean, we'd been seeing some of his comedy, but also his now wife was on the Bravo show Summer House. Oh, yeah. And she also has a podcast that's pretty popular. Hannah Burner is her name. And I definitely, I never had 
seen Summer House before the interview with him, but I had heard about it and had friends that watched it. It's and no I caught up Island. with it. It's you know, it's not, but it's pretty funny. It's it's pretty interesting. It reminds me of real world, mm. but in twenty twenty two or twenty right. I think it started like a couple years ago. So basically like they all go to a Hamptons house and get fucked up and hook up with each other and you know there's a lot of relationships that have stemmed from it and i actually watched the episode where des came to the summer house oh so that was kind of funny to watch it after talking to him well their relationship started while she was filming summer house right so it there's a lot of variables at play that could have deterred their relationship but it didn't because it ended in marriage but I really like this conversation because we always ask about what are some of the defining moments in your life that Mm -hmm. inspired you to choose this direction? So that's like a question for all of you listening to is like, what are the defining moments in my previous relationships that have directed me to where I am today? Yeah. And I mean, I think some of you might be saying, well, I'm not on reality TV or I'm not a comedian, but this conversation (laughs) relates to everyone. And it lets us reflect back on our relationship history in those pivotal moments, like you were just saying, UA. And I think even talking to Des, there were moments that maybe he wouldn't have equated to be so essential in meeting his now wife. But mm-hmm. looking back and looking at like how, you know, we talked a lot about the pandemic and just slowing down in life. And we've all had those moments of reflection to get clear on what matters. And that mm-hmm. stuff has been time in, time out, one of the pivotal moments that sets someone up to meet their person. Every day, I thank all of my partner's exes for setting him up for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you, women, for doing the things to get him ready for me. And I hope he feels the same way about my exes. It's not that it's, <laughs> it's not that it was a time wasted. It was perfect timing, actually, for those relationships to happen so that we can meet and be right for each other. Yeah, there was probably some girl that called him out for not planning enough. And now he's making Excel spreadsheets. Uh, Precisely. (laughs) That is exactly what happened. And so now that's an area he works on. And I exactly love it. (laughs) And you are reaping the benefits. I love it. Yes, I am. (laughs) One of the things that we talk about, too, in this episode, and I feel like you, this is maybe one of your favorite terms. What I think of you, this term I think of, Mm. because you always say it, of doing life together. Mm, And I remember before I was in a serious relationship, I don't think I really understood the extent of of it. Yeah. Like, I think I didn't realize the difference between dating someone and doing life with someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about it in this episode that a key time that they met was over the pandemic. And that's actually similar to your story, too. You were dating yep. before the pandemic, but the pandemic changed the dynamics of your relationship that yes. you weren't just dating anymore, but actually doing the stuff that I don't want to say like domestic tasks, but all the stuff that doing life, life means. Yeah. And I think if some, when you're not in it, you think it's just that, like the cooking and cleaning. But for me now, I feel like some of the best moments I have are just like sitting on the couch watching reality TV or some <laughs> sort of <Boy> island, <laughs> <laughs> summer house or whatever. No, you know what I mean? Though, like just doing nothing with my partner. But that is the majority of life is doing nothing. It's hilarious to me that dating is so judged on the types of dates that we do and the activities. Mm -hmm. Not saying that you shouldn't keep doing that. 
absolutely is a reason why married couples, couples with children have date nights. That doesn't go away. But as things progress, usually like 80% of the time, you're not doing that stuff. Why wouldn't you want to find someone that you enjoy doing the 80% of nothing together? Yeah, your relationship is based on the daily moments and not based on the peaks and valleys. Yeah. Right. If we only base relationships on peaks and valleys, that is a very toxic, tumultuous relationship and you want to get the yeah. fuck out. And it's these everyday moments that are I, I just feel so grateful for in my journal every day. I change my journal prompts like every quarter, but my current one is I have my agenda for the day and then I have a reward at the end. And I realize that more often than not, my reward is watching TV with my partner or having a yeah. nice meal with my partner. It's like something so mundane, yet so enjoyable. And I feel like I earn it at the end of the day. Yeah, I think the other part of relationships we don't talk about enough is just having the fact that it's just fun. It's like almost I describe it that I have a sleepover with my best friend every night. Aww. And you know, we, we don't think about that, though. It's It feels like this tumultuous achievement that we need to get. But it's just... Mm -hmm. The day-to-day -day simple pleasures and when you're with the right person, I think this also is kind of a throwback to this building on relationships. I think in the past, it was always so hard, it felt. And it mm -hmm. took me building on those relationships and getting clear with my own needs too and not being afraid to say them. I would say that's the one thing I did different. This relationship, there was no holding back at all. But that was mm -hmm. because I learned, right? And from the old stuff. But I think getting to a place where you can meet this person that it doesn't feel so difficult and you're just genuinely enjoying the life you're building together, that to me is what a relationship really means. So for all of our single listeners, before you say, shut the fuck up, I'm, I'm trying to do that. <laughs> Why are you guys talking about relationships? I think this is a good learning, though, because we always hear many of you are looking for that initial chemistry spark, mm -hmm. butterflies in the stomach. But then ultimately, you all say, I want to skip the beginning part and just get to the relationship part already. I want to get to the, you know, on the couch, Sunday night, cooking, you know, watching TV, eating our dinner. So instead of looking for that that initial, I don't know, adrenaline and dopamine hit, mm -hmm. maybe it's a dating for these life moments and stop focusing so much on that chemistry and the spark and focus on, is this someone I can just do life with? Yeah. And I think I don't want to ever, you know, discourage people for coming up with really cool date ideas. And I think it's mm -hmm. freaking amazing that your partner is planning this surprise vacation. So I don't want to ever say that that shouldn't be part of dating. It absolutely should. And that's what you know, for the two of you, four years in, you're still doing stuff like that. So it's, mm -hmm. it still has a time and a place. But we do see a lot of people getting really hung up in the early stages of planning the perfect dates and coming up with the activities. And that can be a thought process. But I don't think it should be like the number one concern you have at the beginning. The beginning no. is all about connecting and just making someone feel like you've known them right. all your life, essentially, and feeling calm around them, feeling good about yourself around them. It, in theory, the best dates like don't have to be anything spectacular if that's there. Oh, so true. Yeah. But speaking of good date activities, before we close this out, I am going tonight to the Empire Strips Back, which oh, is the Star Wars burlesque parody. So you all heard me right. The Empire Strips Back. Yes. I was definitely like 
at the beginning when I first heard about it skeptical, but the more people we talk to of how amazing it is. So it feels like a good thing to note on Dateable. We've got Burlesque Show and Star Wars. What could go wrong? (laughs) Find a partner who will go do a burlesque Star Wars show with you. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, report back. Definitely. Will do. Okay, well, before we get into it with Des, let's do a few announcements. At Dateable Podcast is our Instagram. You know, share this episode with a friend. I feel like we can all open the conversation of reflecting back on our relationship histories. Heck, go to brunch and chat it out with them. And well... (laughs) (laughs) Go to brunch with them and chat it out. And while we're at it, tune in every Sunday for our brunch talk episodes. Okay, before we get into it, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Aurelia. We are excited to pamper ourselves with some high quality lingerie. Yay! Oh my god, I could not wait to open my box. (laughs) I know. Well, Aurelia is a premium curated lingerie and sleepwear subscription box with 100% 5 out of 5 client ratings. Yeah, and I love that you filled out a style quiz about your sizes and preferences, Mm. and then a dedicated stylist curated two to three pieces of lingerie or sleepwear per box. How fun is it having beautiful lingerie delivered to your doorstep? And I'm loving everything in my box, so it's hard for me to choose a favorite piece. I don't know about you. Same, but I am gravitating to this lace brawn underwear set that's black, that's sexy, but also comfortable. Comfort is key. The set I'm wearing at night now, it's this floral cami and short set. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. And it is, oh my God, comfortable. And shipping's free for the US, UK, and Canada, not to mention Aurelia is owned by a beautiful and fabulous woman of color. For a limited time, Dateable listeners get 10% off their first monthly or seasonal box. Yes, just enter the code Dateable10 at checkout. Go to AureliaBox.com. That's Aurelia, A-U-R-E-L-I-A, Box.com, and enter the code Dateable10 for 10% off. This episode is brought to you by the book Twice a Quinceanera by Shamile Saeed Mendez. Instead of losing the deposit on her wedding venue, a jilted bride decides to throw herself a quinceanera, times two, for her 30th birthday. One month short of her wedding day and her 30th birthday, Nadia Palacio finds herself standing up to her infuriating, cheating fiancé for the first time in, well, ever. But the same courage doesn't translate to breaking the news to her Argentinian family. She's hyperventilating before facing them when she glimpses a magazine piece about a Latino a woman celebrating herself with a second quinceanera, aka Sweet 15. And that gives Nadia a brilliant idea. With a wedding venue already paid for and family from all over the world with plane tickets, this all sounds awesome. Until she discovers that the man in charge of the venue is none other than her college fling that became far more than a fling. Full of exuberant heart, Twice a Quinceanera is a pure delight for every person who needs to be their own biggest fan and who dreams of a second chance of first love. Find out more about the book at kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Okay, let's hear it from Des. So we have our guest, Des Bishop, with us today. He is an Irish-American comedian, 46 years old, lives in New York and Dublin, originally from New York, but then you moved to Ireland when you were 14. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. I went to boarding school in Ireland when I was 14. That's so kind of I sort of never left. It wasn't wasn't the plan, but it kind of happened that way. And then now you're back, sort of. And you recently got married to a fellow comedian and reality TV star, Hannah Burner, mm. and which is a romance that blossomed during the pandemic quite 
unexpectedly. So let's get to that a little bit later. But first, we want to hear about just what was your love life like before Hannah? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I was 44 when I met Hannah. So that's like a loaded question. Uh, Des Bishop, episode one, part six. Uh, but anyway, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I've had quite a few long-term relationships, but I've also had, you know, periods of time was quite casual. Des just spoke perfect Mandarin to me, and he told me the, that he has a Chinese girlfriend that he corrected and said no, he no, had. I, 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 had, I forgot had to add a love. I forgot to add a love. My grandma things, was a- you know the little things. Like you just change <laughs> a little, a little bit of a tone. You yeah. either have two girlfriends Dang. now, or you had like, a why? previous Chinese girlfriend. <laughs> this is a different story than we thought we were getting into. <laughs> I saw you grow up in Beijing, but I lived in Beijing for two years. And I, I th- that was before Hannah, my last serious relationship was actually with a, a, a Chinese girl, Shren Shren. And uh, honestly, th- that that could have got further, but she didn't want to emigrate. And obviously, you know, she's a she's a bottling hole. She's a post 80s kid. So she's like a, a little empress. And her parents weren't too keen on her uh, disappearing uh, <laughs> over to the States with some comedian. It's not even like a thing over there. That didn't work out. I mean, fortunately, I guess it didn't work out, but that was my last serious relationship before before Hannah. And then I actually, I had been engaged, a broken engagement in 2008. So I've had quite a, I've, I've, I've a broad mm. story. So you'd have to, you'd have to throw a dart at the dartboard and pick a period <laughs> of time and I could tell you some stories. <laughs> oh, we will be doing that. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when, when did your last serious relationship end with the Chinese Bad. I went to China in 2013, but actually I didn't I didn't meet her till 2014. I, and then it ended up getting quite serious. But after my second year, I had to leave. I had to leave. I had like a full career. <laughs> like I'd left yeah. behind quite a lot to to spend that time in China. And I mean, I, I really did love it. I wasn't dying to leave, but I did have to get back to doing stuff. Mm. And originally we had intended to like, you know, to long distance it and then to have her begin to like spend more time. But she never really let go of the idea that possibly I would give in and, and maybe live in China. Listen, love is love is a powerful thing. <laughs> I, it I, is. Would, I would sacrifice a lot for love, but I, I was honest from the get-go with mm. her. And like a lot of our arguments were that she was going to be the one that was sacrificing mm. uh, more than me. But I said, I, I know. I, I mean, I completely understand that. But in my mind, I thought that she would uh, grow to embrace the Western life. But in the end, she didn't want to do it, which is, to- which is totally fine. So how long did this relationship last? And like, when did it end like relative to meeting Hannah? Oh, it ended quite a bit for Hannah and ended, okay. I guess it ended mid 2017. Okay. I mean, we were like in denial for like a year. Yep. Like it was like, <laughs> I, I'd say it was a full year from when I met her parents to when we finally like pulled the plug, but we did not see each other a lot for <sighs> that final year. But we talked like every day, we, we chatted every day and what we had was great. Like I, I loved it. I, I really didn't think that it was, it was going to work for that final year, but I was also very happy to to keep it going the way that we were keeping it going, you know? Yeah. Well, it's hard because like you didn't break up because it wasn't working. It's just there were so many barriers logistically essentially to overcome, which sometimes can be yeah, the hardest yeah. ones. And the last time I talked to her was at the beginning of the pandemic, quite a few years after we broke up, but she still wasn't married. It was like she she must be under ferocious pressure because that's the other yeah. cultural differences. That's a that Chinese Chinese women, yeah, Shengnu. But I, I did a show about it years ago, but I did a whole thing about the Shengnu. But I feel like the leftover woman thing is faded to a yeah. degree in the big cities, but but still, 
I guess she's like 31 or 32. Like she must be under big pressure now. If she's not married, I haven't talked to her since the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, we did an episode with a uh, fellow comedian, Bernice E. Have you heard of her? I, I don't know her now. She has a she has a whole thing about uh, leftover women. <laughs> about the Shungnu? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's like it's really good. Really yeah. Oh, which is great, you know, because it is it it is fascinating. I, I did like a live stand up show about my time in China, and I had a thing about the Shungnu, and I went to like the marriage market, and yeah. actually, my mother my mother visited me when I was in Shanghai, like right towards the end of my first year, and we I went to the marriage market with her, and that that was like really intense because. Uh, when you're there with your parent, people take you like a lot more seriously. So my mother actually got yes. What is the marriage market for someone oh, yeah. that is unfamiliar? Julie, I told you about these. I told you about these where all the single people go. Oh, and yes. You, you like, I don't know if the, about the one you went to, but it's like hundreds, sometimes thousands of people show up. Oh, yeah. The one the one in Shanghai is, is humongous. Humongous. So, yes. Like, like, I don't even know how people find each other, but you basically post all your stats, how tall you are, how much you make, do you have a house, car, all of that. So it's like a non-digital Tinder profile, basically. <laughs> kind of. But then in real time, you try to find your match. And it's not just about dating. It's like marriage. Yeah, You're finding yeah. your match to get married. But imagine, imagine if your Tinder profile was run by your parents. That's really what the marriage market's like. Because <laughs> it's mostly parents and grandparents and they're like, they're wheeling and dealing. I, the amount of dads that rang yes. me, because I, oh I, I gave God. my number to some guys, you know, because some of them were like quite happy. They're like, oh, this Laowai, this foreigner, well, you know, like seems to seems to be doing all right. I, he, he's an option, especially like some of them, their daughters are in their 30s. They're like desperate, you know, like, I don't care. She, she can go to New York. I, I just need to get this girl married off. I'm sure they must be marriage markets in like Flushing Main Street and, you know, like real uh, big Chinatowns in, in the States. I'm sure there must be, but I haven't found one that's like very obvious. They wouldn't have it in the US because it's human trafficking. I think what, the word is that's like setting people up. Like a matchmaking market. Yeah. Matchmaking market. So we're going to all your phases of life. Okay. So this is your face. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, phase. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to drop that on you, but <laughs> this is I so just, good. cause I, I, so I saw you, you lived in Beijing until you were eight. So I was like, of course I got to bring this up. So you, okay. So you go back to Ireland after this, or are you in New York at this time? Now that you're like, I need to get back into my career. You know, this relationship isn't going to work. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, honestly, China, China was really the reason why I ended up sort of doing, coming back to New York a lot more because really uh, I was like 37 when I went to, to China. So from 14 to 37, I was really in Ireland pretty much full time. But after like two years in China and you're like, not just doing comedy to like expats from all over the world, but you're doing comedy in Mandarin and it just felt quite large or like it was like very eye opening. I love Ireland. I mean, I, I didn't want to let go of Ireland completely, but I did think that I should really expand my horizons a little bit. So that, that was actually mm. part of the, uh, you know, part of the attraction back to New York. Plus my mother started getting sick, which mm. was like also part of it. So I had a couple of different, I had a couple of different reasons for starting to spend more time in New York. Plus, honestly, I wanted to keep up my Chinese and it was just so much easier to do that in New York. So originally I actually moved back. I'm from Flushing, Queens. So originally I moved back to Flushing because Flushing is now mostly Chinese people. So there, a lot of the, the coming back to New York was connected to my time in China. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Then were you dating like when you got back or like what was life like before you met yeah. Hannah? Were you like ready for a serious relationship or was it kind of just happened? You know, it's hard to know. I mean, I after Chuenchuen, you know, after we we broke, we did the long distance, then we broke up. I mean, I I just went to a period where I just was like in a lot of like l not long term, like you know, like mm -hmm. just 
pretty casual relationships. I mean, you know, whatever. I I I went gray and and got into the the silver fox category and, <laughs> and stand up <laughs> comics, stand up comics. This if you look around, it's a pretty like ugly stand up comics doing well with the ladies. I don't know what it is about making people laugh, but I I went through like a phase of just meeting like a lot of people, I guess. And uh, but nothing, nothing. No, but just you know, it's just listen. It's just an it's an easy enough job to to meet people. So I was I was like I had an active dating life. That's okay. probably the, the best way to put it. But nothing, nothing very serious. Plus, honestly, I was between New York and Dublin. You know, I would often like have something, you know, decent, you know, like I'd be happy with somebody, but then I'd be like disappear for four or five months. Right. You know, I could, I could think of numerous people that I met that I actually quite liked, but it was just like, it just, it didn't work out. You know, like I'd go off to Dublin. By the time I came back, they were with somebody else. You know, it was just like, it was just a, and honestly, my mom was sick. There was like so much going on. So it kind of suited me to have like non-committed relationships. It was just, there was a, it was like that uh, period of time in my life. And were you thinking that you would eventually get into a relationship again? Or were you th- was marriage something you were working towards? I probably did, but I did start to move away from the kind of like, I want to have kids zone. Because I was very broody, particularly after my father died. I was like very like into having kids. You know, I had this like mm. sense of the importance of family and it's all that matters at the end. You know, that was like really like, honestly, like a decade of, you know, really feeling like a sense of family. And yeah, when you're in China, they remind you all the time that that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so like- I was bombarded with messaging for like, you know, uh, for two years about how I need to get that sorted. But, <laughs> it but works. When, when I came back, when I came back to New York and I, you know, I was like, you know, just like living my life, I suddenly was like still totally open to marriage, but also like starting to move away from the thought of having kids because I was getting older and I just was suddenly like, you know what, maybe, maybe it's just like a life of, of no kids, which kind of lends itself also to like, if I don't meet the, the woman of my dreams, if I don't meet my life partner, that's also fine too. But I, I didn't honestly put that much thought into it. I was just kind of bouncing from situation to situation because there was a lot going on, like with the family illnesses and you know what I mean? There was just like a lot. So really it wasn't like high on my priority list. And then the world shut down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fairness, I I, I even even bef- before I had been seeing somebody like before the pandemic, we had actually just broke up. Pandemic would have killed it anyway, but we had just broken up. And you know, I was having all these like fine relationships that just didn't end up uh, getting to like the next level. But when the pandemic hit, you know, my mother had been dead just over a year. There was like this enforced solitude. Mm. So that was like quite a strong cathartic time to just like clear the head. Because, uh, you know, stand-up comedy is an easy life to distract yourself. You know, yeah. you can, you mm. can, you, years can disappear and you realize, wow, I haven't really checked in with myself for quite a long time. You know, and you get quite obsessed with your work and, you know, there's a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but there's a lot of praise. You know, your ego can get stroked for so long that you forget to check in with like right. you, the deeper parts of yourself. So the pandemic kind of like, you know, hit me with a enforced meditation time, which was great for me because, you know, I was grieving and, you know, now that both parents are gone. So like, I just suddenly forced to just like really take it all in. That was very healthy for me, actually. Very, very lucky, really, because, you know, mm. I'm, I'm doing comedy since 1997, you know, so wow. it was really like the first time I properly slowed down. It was in July of that time, after that uh, solitude, that I met Hannah, and I was definitely much more open to a, a deeper, more meaningful relationship when I met her. But we did also like connect quite immediately, but we didn't actually like become a couple immediately because we had a few, well, she had a few 
TV things to deal with first. But in terms of like my own personal sense of feeling that something was different, I felt something that was was different. I'll say that it's it's Hannah, and it was meant to be. Other people might say, well, it was it was timing, and it yeah. was fortuitous because I had you know the pandemic. It's, you're, you're less distracted, and you know then you're you're, you're more present. You get you you allow yourself to feel it. You're more vulnerable. All these things. I'm open to all the different things that are going on. I I would say it's a mixture of all of it. To yeah. be honest, that's what I was gonna say. I feel like it's usually the combo of both. Obviously, you need the right person to come around, but if you're not present and open, that person could show up, and you're just too busy or distracted or not seeing them. Yeah, and I mean, definitely being present and open was was what the pandemic gave me. Because honestly, I haven't been in the one spot for so long. You know, like it was just so everything was so transient. So it was it was very easy to just drift away from whatever was going on, especially when it's not your number one priority. But then suddenly, I was in the one place with no distractions, you know, but I also was avoided comedians my whole life. I like <laughs> not just from the don't shit on your own doorstep side of things, or even from the perfect, you know, professionally, it's, it's like not a great idea. It, it was more just like, I just never thought that that would be, uh, you know, like a good match for me. I, you know, mm, I, mm. And, 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 and I never really met anybody that I like really liked in comedy. So it was quite funny in the end that actually once I met Hannah, I was like, damn, maybe I should have explored this more because it's quite a good, it's quite a good match, you know, just understanding each other those jobs, yeah. obviously just being open to like joking around. You know, it might not just be comedians. Hannah and I have sort of a, like a complimentary sense of humor. And we did laugh from the get-go. Like so everybody has their thing that bonds them, but yeah. laughter was like yeah. numero uno from the get-go. I feel like that kind of has to be, yeah. How did you meet? And then how did you start progressing your relationship? Yeah. So I, I, I was following her, I guess. I honestly, I, I think, but it's only a guess that Clarify, she popped up on- Clarify, on Instagram. <laughs> On Instagram, yeah. Okay, sorry. Good. Not Thank in you. real life, following oh her during the height of the pandemic. He's I just out there. All the buildings are boarded up and Des is just like creeping out her window. I was following her yeah. for two years. From China to Ireland, yeah. to New York. Yeah. I love tennis. Uh, so she gives she a tennis player. But anyway- uh, I, I guess she popped up on Nikki Glazer's story. You know, I, I'm friends uh. with Nikki Glazer, and I guess at one stage she popped up on Nikki Glazer's story. So I followed her, like cute comic, you know, just followed her, like random follow. I knew nothing about her, and you know, it's funny because she was on that show Summer House on Bravo, and I, I had no idea. I didn't even know, like, I didn't even know like Bravo was like much of a thing. I wasn't really on top of sort of Bravo. I didn't even know like Andy Cohen was the Bravo guy. I just knew about Andy Cohen. But you know, every now and then I'd see these clips. You know, she posting stuff about the show Summer House, and I, in my mind, I just thought it was like some sort of like cheesy MTV type thing. I didn't know much about it. I also did not know this quite successful. So I had no idea that Hannah was kind of like, I guess, blowing up a little bit. She was mm. just this random girl that I followed that <laughs> definitely stayed in my algorithm because her stories would pop up a lot. Now, as it turns out, she was following me, but I didn't know that. But my stories weren't popping up on her thing, but but her stories had been popping up on mine. So needless to say, in July uh, or maybe like very late June, I saw that she was isolated out near our, I was out in West Hampton and she was out at her parents' place and not that far away. Mm. So because I'm like bored of, I'm really bored. <laughs> You're like, this <laughs> is the, the pandemic. perfect time to ask her for a date because <laughs> yeah. she's and probably I, I bored haven't, I haven't <laughs> hung, I, I, ha I hadn't hung out with anybody. I, I didn't, I was like, I was actually quite happy with the, with the enforced celibacy of the pandemic. Like I was quite happy to just take a break from it all. Yeah. You know? So I hadn't met, I hadn't met and talked to anybody since I left Ireland in a panic on March 18th, 2020, because I was in Ireland when the pandemic kicked off. So mm. I was like, hey, I'm not far away. You want to get coffee? And she was like, yeah. And then that was it. It was like a very like three lines. Wait, had you talked at all before? Like, have you had No, no. I literally, I, I saw, <laughs> I checked 
I was surprised to see that she was following me. I didn't, you know, it was just very abrupt and very quick. And I was like, I'll pick you up on Saturday at one o'clock from the ferry, you know, because she was on Shelter Island. And, uh, but then it turned out when we, when we met, we hit it off straight away. But just for a bit of background from Hannah's side, when, when I followed her originally, I didn't know that she followed me straight back because actually like five years before, she was just at the comedy cellar randomly during a kind of a transitory part of her own life because she had spent most of her life trying to be like a tennis professional, was a oh, high level no. tennis player, but never made it as a pro and then burnt out and decided she couldn't do it anymore and just like got into like a marketing job and was like very much like in a transition part of her life. Oh. Uh, and she just randomly went to the comedy cellar and had so, had seen me and thought I was cute or whatever, but I was going on about living in Ireland. So she just like, whatever. I mean, she wasn't going to do anything anyway, but she, she registered me at that moment. Yeah. So when I followed her back whenever I followed her, which we don't even know when that was, <laughs> she was like, oh, that's that cute comic I saw like five years ago. Oh. And she followed me back. But in the meantime, she was now in the industry. But, you know, so like a lot had changed in her life in, in the interim. So there was a familiarity from her and a familiarity from me because I've been watching her stories. And then we met up, but we just hit it off straight away. But we had a we had a snag, which was that in, in two and a half weeks, she was going into the film the next season of Summer House, which was the mm. lockdown season. So they weren't allowed out and nobody was allowed in. So it was very mm. much like we met, we had a few dates, and then she disappeared for <laughs> seven and a half weeks. Wow. So the relationship actually evolved when she was in there. And it evolved, coincidentally enough, like most of my relationships, like a long distance relationship, even though she was only down the road. She was like 25 minutes. <laughs> oh, you can't see <laughs> she was 25 minutes. She was 25 minutes down the road in lockdown. And she had some she had some stuff she needed to resolve on the show, which, you know, the show is the show. It's a reality TV, but you know, it is what it is. Wait, when but you say she stuff, had some, he she had to resolve with like with other dudes or with others? Another guy. Yeah. Okay, she okay. had like a fling. She had a fling with a guy in there and got it. They okay. Had, she had a they call had it some off. reality. Well, well, you never. She, I I listen. And I told her we had just met. So okay. I was like, listen, you know, this is the you know, this is your this is your job, but also like your your life and your job mix because reality TV is just a very odd world. Yeah. But like, don't let a guy you just met get in the way of whatever it is you need to do. I wasn't mm. involved in it. At that time I wasn't involved in it, but you know, I, I wanted her to just go in there and like be free of the concerns. But we had probably, you know, crossed the line a touch to where that wasn't gonna be super neat and uncomplicated for her. Okay. You know, for okay. me, it was irrelevant because I'm like, I'm not in there. You know what I mean? I'm not <laughs> locked in a house. But right. uh, but for her, it was probably like, it, it probably wasn't, you know, ideal timing. But, you know, it you know it is what it is. It, it's difficult, you know, because you don't know. You, you reality know. TV is is reality, except that you, you're you trying to do things based on what you think the producer should do or what you, <laughs> will look good it's on like TV. It's fake reality. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's not an <laughs> easy thing reality. to navigate. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to navigate. Yeah. So that that was uh that was like a, a, a challenge for her and a, a, a bit of a challenge for us in the early part of our relationship. But that ended after seven and a half weeks. And then we could just get on with being normal, you know, which it was still a pandemic. So it was great because we had a lot of time. Mm. Our, our joke at the time was that the pandemic is great for the beginning of a relationship and it's terrible for long-term relationships because yeah. you just get so sick of each other. Whereas like so at the beginning, you can't other. get enough of each yeah. other. So it's like, yeah. isn't this great? We have so much time to be with each other. So that was great. That was that was great for us. But I, I think it destroyed a lot of marriages. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the People who never like being around each other. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that is so interesting. So the show ends and you two are still connecting during this time. And when was that moment where this became really serious? I mean, honestly, it was it was serious before she even left the house because oh. we started talking like every night. So our relationship, like I said, like our relationship kind of evolved while she was in there. So we ended up just like talking a lot, like every night, like for hours. Okay. And by the time I ended up going in there, because I was like, I was, I was, I was like so desperate to see her. I ended up going in there for like a weekend when they allowed visitors to come, like you get COVID tested and everything. Wow. And uh, so by the time I went in there, which I guess was about six weeks later, you know, we we had become quite serious in terms of uh, talking like every night kind of a thing, you know? So I would say that by the time she was done, we were like committed to like giving it a shot. So did it like ramp up at all while she was in there? Or was it kind of like from day one when you had that first date after that you were kind of talking? I mean, it ramped up. It definitely ramped up more for her than for me. Okay. I had this sense of like she was the one from the minute that we met. Interesting. Uh, she was a little more cautious. Well, number one, because she's a, a woman and has gone through the the, the world of the, the fuck boy. And oh, the, yeah. You know, like, we're yeah. trained to be another, cautious a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another, uh, another like, you know, comedians coming into sweet you off your feet and then you know like three weeks later you're like why is he not texting me whatever you know so mm, she had mm -hmm. the natural caution that you would expect yeah. from like a, a woman of of her age and then uh you know she had the the caution of like the show and not knowing what was going on so she was uh you know not as like diving in uh, a sense of diving in uh, as i was but i was i was pretty sure i was you know i've been I've been around the block and I was pretty sure that it was a unique connection. You know, I was pretty confident that it was a, that it was a special connection. So I wasn't too concerned, but I definitely had a little bit of the infatuation. If you listen to my podcasts from that time, uh, I, I was, I was, pretty heavy on the infatuation. And because, you know, I'd had these months of like solitude and grieving and there's like a lot of emotions going on. Right. I, I actually found those emotions quite overwhelming. Mm. I, had an, I had an episode of my podcast where I was like looking up the hormones of love and what they do to you <laughs> physiologically. <laughs> so was this like something, you, were you like this with other people or was this just new? Like this is something that this you- This one was quite, I mean, I mean, probably maybe once or twice in my life, but I mean, it had been, number one, it had been a long time and definitely this was a this was a strong one and that was very much the stuff i was expressing at the time you know it can be hard to remember now you know like you, you know because now, now we like we're married we live together you know just like we just have our life right but at the time it was it was quite it was quite unique i mean it was definitely it was definitely overwhelming i mean i i was i was overwhelmed and i was definitely like love struck and you know all the <laughs> things that you I even started. I started doing like some therapy because like the the intensity of emotions was was so strong. Wow! And I talked. We talked. I was talking to the therapist about you know she was talking about like infatuation and you know what's you know what's like energy and what, what real relationships are and you know so I, I took it quite seriously from the get go in terms of like you know trying to decipher between you know those like flippant emotions that the, the emotions that can fade over time and uh, what what's what's real behind it you know what what really is about why this person is special you know what I mean so what. What did you find out? Because timeline wise, you moved relatively fast. You got engaged, what, how many months after dating? Oh, like six months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it yeah. was all very fast. But I but, <laughs> but but the truth was that I knew I knew quite quickly, you know. Now it was just a case of if she was on board. So she was on board <laughs> relatively quickly too. Cause after she got out of the house, she moved in like in October. So we met in July. She moved in in October. You know, then we were just like living together and getting along fine and dandy. The show came out that created quite a lot of stress. But once mm. we got through, once we got through that stressful period, then it was like, and 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 fairness, I propose I was the one that was pushing for the engage. You know, like I don't know, I was just like, I was just like, fuck it. I mean, it was the pandemic, you know, so there was just like nothing going on. So <laughs> our joke was that the, a pandemic day is like a dog year, you know, like. <laughs> 
Like one day in a pandemic is like seven days. So So you basically were together for like 10 years, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, It didn't feel, it didn't feel as quick as it was, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it it was very, you know, just jumping forward, like jumping forward only to look back. There wasn't many times where I felt like, wow, actually this is quite fast. Like, do you know what you're doing here? You know, I didn't, I didn't really hit off too many cautionary periods. And honestly, I didn't hit much caution from like any of my friends or my family because first of all, everyone loved her. Like everyone really liked her and everyone saw straight away that we were like a good match. Mm. You know, like everybody thought that this was a positive. Plus, you know, whatever, I was 45. (laughs) It wasn't like everybody was like, yeah, it wasn't like everybody was like, you sure? It's like like you're like a 30-year-old to China, right? They're like, just do it. You might might as well give it a shot. You're no team bride here. Yeah, yeah. And Hannah, Hannah's younger than me, obviously, but like, She's she was heading towards thirty, you know. She was heading towards thirty, so it wasn't like she was feeling like she was too young to be thinking like this. So all that stuff was fine. And yeah, like all my my Irish buddies, you know, like my closest friends. I mean, first of all, they're all married. Once you get past the jokes, are like, you sure you want to, you know, do this? <laughs> but uh, they they all thought that that she was great and that she was like a good pairing for me because you know she's like super sporty, super competitive, you know, but also like understands comedy, doesn't like care if we have to part for a few weeks at a time to do shows. So there was like a lot of practical stuff on top of the like serious emotional yeah. connection. It was just like a lot of things that just fit. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you said that you've yeah. had your share of relationships, you're no spring chicken. Like what was it that you were like, this is different? This feels right. Yeah, it's very hard to say. It's very hard to articulate like what is it? But it was a feeling anyway. Initially, it was definitely a feeling, uh, a sense of, you know, wow, I haven't felt this way about something about somebody, you know? And then after that, it was like, became like fact. It's like, wow, this is actually a great life. Because like, of course, like the infatuation is there and then the love is there and, you know, the sexual relationship is great. Like all the stuff is good that's supposed to be good. But then there's just that deeper thing of just like, it's just like a nice life. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like yeah. we can chill together too. And, you know, everything about it is is fun. You know, I mean, life's not perfect. Like I, I can't say that it's all going to turn out to be perfect, but so far and also just like on paper, it's just like, yeah, it's just, this really does make sense. Well, I think it's like, you know, in today's day and age, everyone's looking for, you know, that best friend, soulmate, life partner, a lot of stuff actually, which makes modern dating hard is you want to find someone that kind of checks all the boxes. But I think when you actually do find someone that you feel that way with, you know, you know, like this is rare. I think that's what's the benefit of having more of these expectations. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, I w- w- it was lucky that we met. And it was like serendipity or Yuen Fen. Yuen Fen. Chinese <laughs> love to obsess about. But uh, we were lucky. And like, listen, I-, I like love sport. Like I spent the entire pandemic playing beach volleyball. And then Hannah came along. She's like amazing at tennis. And like, I always wanted to get good at tennis. So we're like playing tennis every day. Plus she's like good at golf. We just played golf. We just played nine holes actually. And like, so we just have like a lot. We just have like a lot in common. You know, plus she goes off and does some shows. I go off and do, do some shows. Then we come back at night and we're like gossiping about all the other comics and saying who's shit and who's funny. And, you know what I mean? Like, so there's just like, this is a lot of good stuff going on on top of the, the loving. Right. You know? Let's hold that thought for a few messages. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high 
I love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, Nia is going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what I find very fascinating about your journey is that you weren't looking for this. You were not looking for love. You weren't prioritizing finding a partner. You were in a place of solitude and also just grief, I would assume. Mm. Um, and what what made this relationship really special is that during the pandemic, you got to experience life with someone versus going on dates with someone. Mm. That's like what we often yeah. talk about on this podcast is dating someone is different than doing life with someone. I think the pandemic really like for me and my partner, it forced us to do life together. And I don't even count the six months before that that we were dating because it was just dating. Like we didn't right. really see each other on a day to day basis doing life. And the pandemic was what made us so close was because 
because I could actually like experience life with this person. So I feel like in your situation, you got a glimpse of what life is like with Hannah and you're you're all about it, even though you weren't looking for it. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, that was definitely love. And I, you know, listen, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Like I, I can't stress enough that the reality TV stuff is- no. It's very heavy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she really got like a rough ride with the internet and all that stuff at that time. So we had to ride that out together too. But that only only made it made us stronger. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it was great to, to be there for her for that. You know what I mean? And also to learn to navigate, you know, because like sometimes obviously if like things are causing stress in your life, especially things that you are not causing, you know what I mean? Like it's very easy to get angry at the other person. So we had to we had to navigate all that too. So we really had like a like a fast track, intense kind of like life. It was almost like, like a life obstacle course to make sure that we were ready <laughs> to actually spend the rest of our lives together. Because we dealt with we dealt with quite a lot from the highs and the lows in that first uh that first sort of year. But in saying that, we probably will have kids, even though I was saying, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I could take, I could honestly not have kids now. That That's just a, like a personal thing for me. Mm-hmm. But Hannah wants to have kids and I can also very much have kids. Right. Like I'm, I, I'm not against kids at all, but like I would have been open to either way. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did say, even though I'm 46, I'm no spring chicken. I did say, let's not do that straight away because we met it was reality tv yeah. engagement and then a wedding yeah. and uh let's and, and a pandemic you know yeah. uh you know and vaccines and everything so let's just like not have to worry about any major things yeah. for like at least a year but really like two years like let's just like have normal life yeah that makes sense i could have done without putin invading ukraine and <laughs> having a you know an inflation crisis and you know gas prices through the roof it never but ends. anyway never the, 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 these things these things we can't control it you know? won't give us a <laughs> Normal life. It just won't. Know, just give us a break. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> fucking break. So what, one thing that comes up a lot on our podcast is age gaps. So you guys have a fifteen-year age gap. Like, how do you think that's like helped your relationship, or also given it any challenges? If so, well, first of all, it's closer to sixteen than fifteen. And there's a few <laughs> okay, months of the year. Right. Where, there's a few months of the year where it comes up as fifteen. I, I prefer that age gap. To, <laughs> oh, we round it down. The sixteen. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Throw you a bone here. Fifteen, not sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the age gap is like completely irrelevant for us. You know, I've 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 dated younger women before, and it's 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 never been it's never been an issue in our relationship. But there have been times. Where like you know it's just it's just us and like nobody else you know as in like our social lives never intertwined but with Hannah it has just not been an issue like there's just no sense like I don't know if maybe I'm immature and she's mature or whatever <laughs> but like like for example like all my buddies came over for the wedding and they stayed here in, in this house out in West Hampton and like Hannah was with us for the first couple of days before she went off and like. When I was with her family to get ready for the wedding. And it wasn't a bachelor party. I didn't have a bachelor party, but like there was kind of like bachelor party vibes of just like the lads in the house. Yeah. And like Hannah was just like in with us, in with all my buddies. And it was like very natural. It wasn't like so there's never been a sense of an age gap being an issue for us. But I, I but I do I do understand the, the 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 positives and negative age gaps. I'm quite shocked how much people discuss it because I really think it's not that big of a deal. However, you know, in the, the the case of Hannah, any of the potential pitfalls just do not exist at all. Mm. I mean, we have plenty of jokes. We, we we joke around and like the fact that like I'm in between her parents and her, <laughs> right? So I'm actually like a touch closer in age to her parents than than I am to Hannah. So we we make jokes about how like I talked to like her parents about Back to the Future and Hannah's like what? And it's like whatever. It's not it's nothing to do with you, <laughs> yeah, like stuff. But 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 in actual fact, there's no. It, it, for us, it hasn't come up as a thing other than like the haters are gonna say shit and then we're gonna joke around. Right. Like Hannah in her wedding speech 
said, uh, you know, sometimes I, I wish I'd known you earlier. And I think about what it would have been like, you know, to be with you when you were in your 20s. But then I remember <laughs> that I was in kindergarten. <laughs> Stuff oh. like that. <laughs> Uh, but we're you know we're 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 fine with it. It's good stand up material for you guys. <laughs> yeah, particularly for her. Yeah, uh, but then uh, you know her. Uh, I don't know, like in comedy too. I don't know. It just seems less of an issue, like amongst comics. Like it, yeah. it could it could happen. You know. So for us, for us, it's not an issue. However, I don't know what comes up when you guys talk about it. I, I've 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 definitely had I've had numerous age gap relationships, and uh, it's, it's it's always a fun topic. Yeah, yeah. And then also, you talked about how you haven't really dated comedians before. So what is it like being married to one? Yeah, I mean it, it. It's it's great. I mean that part has definitely surprised me. Like how much fun it is. We don't have a too crisscross too much in terms of like our job. But like she's a New York based comic now. I'm a New York based comic most of the time. So like I see a lot of people that have just seen her. She's seen a lot of people that have just seen me. So it's quite fun actually. Like we're all just like you know we're all in the mix together. There's very rarely any sense of like it's too much. Like I want to shut off or anything. You know like there's no there's there's never a sense of like she comes home after I've been doing shows and. Like she wants to talk about work and I'm like, I just need a break from comedy. Like it's, it's never really like that. It's always fun. You know, and I mean, because I'm a little older, I've been doing comedy longer. Like I do enjoy like a touch of like the kind of like mentoring role, like trying to pass on a a bit of wisdom. But I have to say that she's doing well. Like I would say right now she's like doing better than me. Like she's killing it. So Mm -hmm. there's no sense of me being like this, the the senior person professionally. I just have a little bit more like on stage. So I just like try to pass on like stagecraft stuff and also like industry stuff where like what's real and what's bullshit because obviously the, the industry has a lot of like a lot of spoofers yeah. spoofer is that a i don't know spoofer is a word that we get, you guys get. but uh yeah Let's so uh i just try to like pass on you know little things because like one of the killers in our industry is like you know getting excited because some spoofer is like you know promising the sun moon and the stars and like it's always good to like try to keep an even keel in our industry uh, less uh. less disappointment Right. I mean, I think anyone that dates someone in a similar industry could probably relate. There's a balance of, you know, this is your personal life versus professional life. But also, there's a reason why you chose your profession and you want to share that with someone, and especially you if you've been around longer. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of wisdom. How do you kind of balance, you know, not stepping on toes with that, or is that really not an issue at all for you two? Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that's not an issue. Yeah, well, that, that, that's, but that's always the, I, like, I, I, that's always the way. Well, the good news about being married is the friendly competition thing kind of fades because her money is my money. So exactly. If she no, wants to go together. <laughs> You're like rooting for the other person. You're like, go, exactly. like, go, 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 team go girl. Now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I feel like that's the way I'm, it should be, right? You're a team. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I have to say the, the, the comedy side of things has been has been nothing but nothing but a positive like even just yesterday we were like sitting down and like just breaking down like one of her bits yesterday morning i was expressing some frustrations i was having myself and she was like giving me some suggestions back so it's only that stuff is only yeah. is only positive plus she just like she's just better at getting like industry gossip so I, i'm <laughs> quite happy to I'm quite happy to, for her to come home and fill me up with all the the latest news from all the, the industry. Tea. <laughs> the tea, exactly. Yeah. I didn't even know what tea was when I met her. I, I learned about what See, tea was. See, that's the benefit of dating someone younger. You get all the like exactly, yeah. exactly. You're like, I know what tea is, but I just don't know what tea is. Yeah, you know? the tea. Uh, listen, I, I very quickly learned uh, learned the tea. You know, I mean, I, I, especially when you are the tea, according to her like Giggly Squad fans. Uh, I was the tea for a while. Oh my god. But anyway, 
So good. One of the things that I feel like comes up, and I think women maybe feel this more, but I, I would argue that men do too. It's like you, there in society, there's timelines that we all hear of. You know, you should get married by 30. And you were engaged at 30. And, you know, didn't move forward with that and ended up married, I would say, quote unquote, later in life. You and I are probably like in the middle of you and Hannah age wise. So definitely not a shade thing. We're later in life as well. Oh, I would never. I would not take it as shade anyway. (laughs) I guess like what benefits do you think there were for actually holding out a little longer till you were in your 40s? Yeah, well, I mean, the benefit of accidentally holding on, I would say, because I, I, I must say there was a couple of times where I was like, damn, I, I, I can't believe I ended up being somebody who's like quite late, not married. You know, like it was kind of like a, like I sort of surprised myself. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know if it, it benefits versus neg. I can definitely think of both. You know, I guess the good thing about waiting longer is, you know, you're. You've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know what's what's real and what's not. What's important. You know, uh, it's easier to stay calmer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's. I, I think. I think it's probably easier to know when you're wrong. You know, mm. I think uh, she might disagree. Uh, <laughs> that that i that i said that <laughs> but but you know i i it just like life just being older you're just like calmer right i i i i think um <laughs> But you know there are negatives too. Like you're, if you do have kids, you're gonna be like an older dad. You know, you're probably gonna complain about back pain a lot more to your five year old child. You know, uh, energy wise, you know, energy levels might be like, you know, like if I could do it again, I probably was gonna do it again. I would go back have kids when I was younger. That would be the the only thing. Uh, but what what I will say is that like it's neither positive nor negative. It just is what mm. it is, mm. and it's like totally fine. You know, like I'm definitely totally fine with it. But you know, if you happen to end up in this way, I do think that there will be some positives in terms of like your own. You know, once you're not too set in your ways, that's the the problem is that it's easy to get set in your ways. So you have to make sure that you you don't get too much like that because then you just become too undesirable. Right. There is that balance for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, I have I have misophonia as much as the next guy. I don't like the sound of chewing. Like we all have certain things that we, we get intolerant about. But <laughs> you know, you don't want to you don't want to be overly like old and crabby and then suddenly like nobody can fit into your yeah. you know, your very rigid routines, you know? Yeah. Kind of staying open and flexible is the theme that I hear. Mm-hmm. What about the people who've been in a series of long term serious relationships, maybe have been engaged once or twice and are at a point where they're about to give up. Like I've done it. I've seen it. It's not working out for me. What would you say for those people? What is some advice you give to people at a crossroads right now? Well, first of all, you're powerless. That's what I I mean. Like the great Mm -hmm. thing about this life is that actually like there's no guarantees on anything, you know, and there's no guarantees that whatever you think you want to happen will actually be the better thing for you. Right. Right. So there is a great freedom in just knowing that it will be what it is and it will be fine. You know, like there have been many versions of getting through this life and everyone gets through it. So you definitely shouldn't panic. Uh, But also, you know, don't give up. That's definitely uh, no matter what age, like dating is is, is fun. So don't give up. And I'm sure this comes up a lot, but you got to like take it out of its extreme important position because that's too much pressure. It's very hard to exist in that place where it, the importance is greater than it should be. Right. Um, if, if, if you're so concerned about getting married, then you're like, I, I feel like it's very easy to sort of rush, freak people out, you know? But I think you yeah. better find a divorced person. I think, you know, if, you, if, if, <laughs> if you're in the game a long time and you're starting to panic, uh, I, I think go for like a divorced person. Right? <laughs> let, them bring, let them bring their mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Let Worked them bring well. their mistakes to the, to the game. And uh, you'd probably be less pressure, you know? 
But like my cousin was like that. I'm not going to name her, but a cousin of mine, <laughs> she, she was a single mom and, uh, you know, it was a, a very casual how, how she ended up getting pregnant, but she, she wanted to have, have the child, she raised her daughter. Wonderful. But obviously there was a lot of time where she just thought like, you know, I, I, I screwed myself in terms of like finding a partner and having a happy life. And then out of the blue, she met this guy. They only got married very recently and they have like a great life together. Yeah. And she really, trust me, I sat down with her many times and like, she was like basically accepting that it wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, you shouldn't panic. Uh, you should accept that no matter what happens, it will be fine. But odds on, you know, you're going to you're gonna meet somebody, yeah. especially if it's like something that you want to do. Do you mind me asking like what was kind of the reason why your first or your engagement that you had when you were 31 did it end up going forward? Well, I mean, number one is a long distance relationship. You know, she was living in London. I was living in Dublin. And honestly, we both loved our, our jobs like a lot. Mm. Coincidentally enough, similar to the Chinese situation, there was really very little bend. In that situation particularly, it was like both of us had like very little bend in terms of like what we were willing to sort of sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, for the relationship versus our jobs. Um, Interesting. And... Uh, yeah, and it was a lot. There was a lot of other stuff going. On. I actually got quite famous in Ireland around that time, so like you know, my life changed a lot too. So just a lot of things happened, and uh, we did not make it to the altar. Although we weren't going to get married in a church, so we didn't make it to the to the celebrant. <laughs> to the paperwork. Well, guess, yeah, it sounds like you and Hannah just have figured out how to like balance your careers and love life together a lot more than in the past. Yeah, but I had a lot of demons. I, 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 I you know, I stopped drinking when I was nineteen. I had cancer when I was twenty-four. I have, I've had like an, a very eventful life, and honestly, Hannah just met me at the right time. It yeah. took me a long time to, mm-hmm. to to get comfortable with a lot of stuff that went down in my life. You know, I joke, but like, it's no surprise that I finally met somebody after my mother died because the, <laughs> this, the root, the root of all your issues disappears. And then you're like, well, I, I suddenly I'm, I'm vulnerable. I could be vulnerable, <laughs> but that's a joke. I'm joking. And I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm joking at the expense of, uh, of my, of my dead mother, but, uh, but she, she had a good sense of humor too. And she certainly had a, had a, had a dark sense of humor. But I like anyway, that you like look up as you're saying that. Yeah, I'm waiting to get smacked. Waiting to get smacked from the sky. <laughs> she so will, also she will a smack generational you difference. I, I got hit. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I think that we also met at the right time. Just like yeah. obviously you meet people, but for me, I know that it was a better time for me when I met Hannah than previous relationships that I had. And certainly uh my first engagement. And and by the way, she's happily married now, two kids, and like she's had a had a good outcome and everything. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I was way better ready, more prepared Mm -hmm. than then. By the way, can I point out that she was amazing person and you know long after it finished i always said that we were definitely uh, the right couple at the wrong time i mean yeah. i definitely think if we had been more like on top of our ourselves professionally like it might have worked but it was just it was not good timing i mean we've done mm. a lot of episodes on that you know it's like right person wrong time is wrong person ultimately and you know i say ultimately, that yeah i say that to my partner too all the time i'm like i wish i met you 10 years ago so we'd have more time and all this and i'm like we would not be ready for each other at all yeah, because exactly I was a different person and so were you back then. And so much of it's that. I think like we put so much pressure on finding this person for us. But, you know, I guess I'll go into takeaways. But I think like a big part of it is like, how do you become this person yourself? And sometimes it might be intentional that you're taking the time to figure yourself out. Or maybe it's less intentional and a pandemic comes in, you know, a series of other events that cause you to, you know, get that solitude and really take it all in. This is a recurring theme that we 
hear over and over again, and there's so much to this. I think the other big takeaway I have from this conversation is, you said it does, it's like, while dating can be important and finding that person is important, it's not your entire life. And, you know, like, we do have to balance it. People, I think, will say like, oh, maybe it's unromantic, you know, have a relationship breakup because of your profession. But when you think about it, it's like you've been building this your whole life years before you met this person. Like, why would you want to, you know, just completely eliminate that either? So I think a lot of it is how do you find someone that will, you know, one, be a good fit for you, but also fit into your life that you've built on your own as it's two people coming together. And then my final takeaway is a piece of, you know, how do we start to experience life together a lot more. Like UA, you said something interesting of, you know, when you're dating, if you're doing this like more traditional, I see you once a week, we go on a formal dinner date or go to a bar, you're only seeing someone in a certain light. Like you're not seeing them in a day to day of how your life is with that person. And I love your story, Des, of how like the pandemic, even though it wasn't that much time in months, it felt like a lot of time because you were doing life together. And I think the more we can do that in dating, and hopefully we won't be in a world where we're locked out again. But that doesn't mean that we still can't integrate each other more in our lives, even from the beginning. We're so afraid to do that because that's not what conventional dating advice says that you're supposed to do. But that's ultimately how you determine if someone is the right partner. And I know for me, I'd so much rather learn quickly than to spread this out over six months, a year, when I'm only kind of like half seeing this person and we're living totally separate lives. Yeah. And like I always say very crudely and crassly that you spend very little time in your life fucking. So actually (laughs) don't forget to realize that the normal life shit is the stuff that really matters the most. You know, so many Mm -hmm. people get hung up on the infatuation and the the love story. And trust me, the love story is great. But in the end, the life story is so much more important. That's like Esther Perel, right? I'm literally like kind of half copying her there. But that that is that is We'll quote you though. That is (laughs) No, but that is the stuff that that's the stuff that really matters, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think actually, if you're going to ask uh, uh, to add to your earlier question about like when you're older, what are the benefits of when you're older? I think the benefit of when you're older is that you know that, mm-hmm. you know, mm. so you it, yes. it's it's easier to not get caught up in as much of the, well, I, honestly, let's face it, people's how they look physically, you know, like like mm-hmm. the stuff that you, you think is is more important is actually less important. Right. And let me also point out that I, I'm happy with my wife physically. I, d- I would not like to be misconstrued as I was saying. Oh, yeah. I well, it- I think like when we say that, we always tell people too, like that doesn't mean that you should never be attracted to your person. <laughs> right. Like we're never saying right. that. It's more just like unrealistic expectations of, you know, what yes. someone looks like because of media. But yeah, absolutely. The attraction and sex life should be there. That's a given. That's a baseline. But you didn't come into this with a uh, with a checklist. And I think that's one of my main takeaways is that when you don't have these expectations mm-hmm. of what love, relationships, marriage could look like, it actually opens up your universe to someone that you would have never thought in the first place, like someone that you in your same industry that before you would have never mm-hmm. wanted to explore. You didn't want to date other comedians. I think the relationship history is another major takeaway for me is that the relationships you've had in the past set you up for that one great relationship or one great love or multiple great loves, right? It doesn't have to be mm. marriage or this one person, but every relationship matters and every relationship counts. We asked you about how you met Hannah and then we went into how you had a relationship with Xuanxuan in China because <laughs> her experience and your relationship with her set you up for 
the next relationship and then the next relationship. So it's important for us to understand that we're not wasting time when we mm. are in these relationships that don't work out. They actually do pave the way for our, you know, the big love of our life or the loves. And the other thing that we kind of forget that you touched upon, Des, is that the relationship history also includes our relationship with ourselves. Yes. We are also dating ourselves. So if we are just going from per another person to another person and we're forgetting about ourselves, it's hard harder for us to open ourselves up for love. So when you did that time alone during the pandemic, really in solitude, really working on reconnecting with, with yourself, I truly believe that's what set you yeah, up for Hannah, definitely. is that mm. you strengthened your relationship with yourself. Well, you said it does. Yeah. It's like the pause, right? Like you were just going through life, not reflecting and just doing because that's what a lot of us do, you know, we were just go, go, yeah. go. And that's the society we live in. And I think taking that pause and really seeing like, what is it that's important and sitting with feelings that maybe have been ignored yeah. for a while like that. That is what we see over and over again is what sets someone up to meet that person. Hey, I'm from the first Bueller generation. If you don't stop and look around, sometimes you might miss it. You know, <laughs> like, you, it's very easy to forget to look yeah. around. It's very easy. Definitely. Des, love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been phenomenal to have you on our show. We didn't really know where this conversation was going to go. Like we had some stories that we knew about, but it's so great to hear it from you and your journey. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go? I mean, I'm at Des Bishop on Instagram and uh, facebook.com forward slash Des Bishop for people who see Facebook. <laughs> and then I'm we on still YouTube. Have a Facebook Actually, group, so since no we were talking about China, <laughs> since we were talking about China, if you're bored, you can check out Breaking China on YouTube. I just put, I put it up. It was an Irish series, but I put it up on YouTube. So it's it's up there. Breaking, uh, Breaking China? China six, oh, I'm going to look at that. About my journey, my journey to become a Chinese speaking comedian. That's awesome. so fun. Really fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really great conversation. Thank you guys. So nice to meet you both. So nice meeting you. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode with an open mind and an open heart. Something that will really help you on your journey is if you give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Five stars. <laughs> preferably. It really helps with our journey, which in turn will help with your journey by association. So just just saying. It does. This is it my does new really favorite part of the podcast, how you can swig it to be related. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to wrap this up. Stay, Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.